In this week's episode, we talk about a new Sonic Prime trailer, the latest Pokemon title's been released on the Switch, and has Sonic's co-creator been arrested for insider trading? I'm Barry, and this is episode 74 of the Retro Gaming Dads podcast, the podcast for everything retro and retro-inspired. This week it's just me, as Anthony is off dressing up as superheroes to entertain his kids during the birthday. Before I jump into the news, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to our Patreon subscribers, Short Gizmo and Bobby Socks. As always, your continuing patronage is always appreciated and it does help making this podcast a little bit easier, especially this time of year where not only is Christmas coming up, but we do have a lot of renewals, things like the domain and the web hosting that's due in January. Once again, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. We'll jump straight into the news with my favourite topic to talk about, Sonic the Hedgehog. So those looking forward to the new series coming to Netflix will be happy to hear that there is a slightly extended trailer that has been dropped on YouTube. And it doesn't show us an awful lot more than what we already knew from previous trailers, but it does give us a little bit better look at some of the characters and the character designs. It does look very much like the Sonic Sat-AM series, where... Sonic seemed to be more on the back force. He was part of the Freedom Fighters fighting against Robotnik. We do see it's not just Robotnik this time. It's actually what's called the Council, which seems to be a number of Robotnik family members, perhaps. As always, anyone who's interested in going to watch this trailer can do so in our show notes, along with anything else mentioned in this episode. So first up for the news is that Blizzard Activision will be ending their partnership with NetEase to release their titles within mainland China. This agreement covers the release of titles such as World of Warcraft, Warcraft, Overwatch and Diablo. Now it's unclear whether this will lead to the end of the services for these titles within China completely as Blizzard Activision have confirmed that Overwatch 2 and the latest World of Warcraft expansion Dragonflight will continue with their scheduled releases later in this year. It has been confirmed that the two companies will not be able to renew the agreement in a manner that is consistent with Blizzard's operating principles and commitments to players and employees. Once we get clarification on what titles will and won't be affected, we will update you all though. So moving on to the games, the latest Pokemon, Scarlet and Violet, has been released on the Nintendo Switch and seems to be getting quite middling scores. So currently the game stands at an average of 77 on Metacritic. Many reviewers commenting on its lackluster multiplayer and a whole host of technical issues. Now, unfortunately, the multiplayer actually looked quite interesting. And I know Anthony, at least, was looking forward to trying that out where you and up to three other friends could run around the world and go off and do your own thing to a certain degree. So it's it's unfortunate to hear that that's being described as lackluster. Although the technical issues, I must be honest, it's something that I'm not really surprised by. As we've been saying multiple times in this podcast, as much as I love the Nintendo Switch, it was showing its age from the day it was released and is in desperate need of a Switch Pro or some other enhancement Maybe not a complete sequel. I still think the Switch has a load of life left in it, but it wouldn't be nice to see a more powerful system that could maybe hit these higher frame rates, 
increase draw distance, increase the resolution, or at least hit that 720p resolution in a 3D game consistently on the handheld, let alone 1080p on an actual display. And it's unfortunate. I'm sure the game itself is still really good. It is getting praised a lot for its soundtrack, as well as true open environments, something that is actually been described as reinvigorating the Pokemon franchise. I'm sure Anthony will pick it up. If he's not getting it soon, he'll probably get it for Christmas, so I'm sure I'll be talking about that soon enough. And while we're talking about disappointments, Phil Spencer has actually gone on to say why the Project Keystone was actually cancelled. So for those of you who weren't actually aware of what Project Keystone was, it was Microsoft's attempt at developing a completely streaming-based Xbox console. We had talked about this a couple of weeks ago where it kind of hidden itself in the background of a video that Phil Spencer was in, hiding on the shelf. And it was supposed to be an inexpensive console that would allow players to basically plug it into a TV, connect up with an Xbox controller or even a PlayStation controller, and stream Game Pass titles straight to any device you want, whether it's a TV, a monitor, or any other display. And it sounds like a really good idea, and it's something that's been floating around for a very long time. I remember hearing rumors that there was going to be a similar sort of console with the release of the original Xbox One back in 2013, it would have been. Now, Phil Spencer went on to talk about this in a recent interview with The Verge, where he said that initially they wanted to get this console out for around about $99 to $129. And with that, you would have got the controller, the actual console, and you would assume the cables. Now, this would be a really good price for a lot of gamers to jump in especially when you consider a controller often runs for about $60, $60, $70, something like that. So to get a console and maybe if they threw in a, a month or so of Game Pass, this would be quite enticing, especially for someone who's already in the Xbox ecosystem and maybe just wanted a way to play it in a second room or for the children or even just to dip into some games and maybe use it as a streaming box to watch Netflix on a non-smart TV. Unfortunately, with the materials that they were using, it was pushing that price closer to the $200 range, which when you consider the Xbox Series S, you can often get on sale brand new for about $250. It would be a very hard sell, and I think at that price, it's no longer a impulse purchase or the kind of purchase you get just so you can play a game on a different screen in the house for $200. you got to just pick up your current Xbox and just carry it into the other room. He did also confirm that this is no longer a focus of Microsoft, so it doesn't look like we'll be seeing this system potentially at all, but certainly not in the near future, which is understandable when you consider currently xbox game stream and it seems to be working on any device you can think of you can play it on your ipad on your android tablet most mobile phones a lot of smart tvs especially newer samsung ones have the app built into it which is something he did mention as the reason why they stopped development on keystone as they took a lot of members of the team from that to go and develop the apps 
a couple of episodes ago, we also mentioned it was also coming to some gaming-focused Chromebooks, and it is also coming to the Oculus Quest 2. So it's not as if players are hurting for ways to play Xbox game streaming. There's plenty of ways, and that's not to talk about the obvious ones of playing it on an older Xbox One. If you want to play some of the new Xbox Series titles, such as Rift Breaker or Microsoft Flight Simulator, you don't need to upgrade your console currently because you can just stream them straight to even the old VCR-style Xbox One. I'd be interested to know, what are your thoughts? Do you think that Microsoft should have continued development of this small streaming-focused Xbox console? Or do you think they were right to maybe not abandon it, but put it on the back burner and put their focus into developing apps for TVs that they can ship alongside them? Now, our final piece of news is that famed Sonic the Hedgehog co-creator Yuji Naka has allegedly been arrested for insider trading from his time spent working as Square Enix. It has been alleged that he purchased 2.8 million yen worth of Square Enix stock, which is roughly £17,000, ahead of an announcement of a mobile-focused Dragon Quest game. Now. It's unknown whether or not he still has these shares or whether he did sell them off afterwards. But the fact that it's been alleged that he had foreknowledge of this title being announced, which as soon as they're announcing a mobile game, especially in Japan, where a lot of gaming is very mobile focused. And obviously, insider trading is frowned upon, not just in Japan, but all around the world. This is following on from the arrests of two other former Square Enix employees early in the year who collectively also purchased 47 million yen worth of stock. Again, it's roughly about £280,000. And this alleged purchase of stock came not long before Yuji Naka was fired from Square Enix during the development of Balan Wonderworld, a title which he's been very critical of on Twitter, saying that Square Enix don't care about gamers and they push the game out in an incomplete state. And if you look at some of the reviews for Balan Wonderworld, it's it's possibly true. Um, it's not a very well-reviewed game. And certainly wasn't the return to form that a lot of people expected or hoped when they saw Yuji Naka was attached to it. But he never actually seen the game through to completion. Now again, it's not been confirmed. And Square Enix have only come out with a very cookie-cutter sort of response saying that they are helping investigators with the investigation into the insider trading. And it's something that they don't condone. But could potentially this be why he was let go from the project? It's it's unknown. Perhaps it'll come out whether or not it is. It's still alleged that he has been doing insider trading, so nothing has been confirmed yet. And he certainly hasn't been convicted of it. Which is a shame, because as everyone knows, I'm a massive Sonic fan. And part of that is Yuji Naka. He has been almost the face of Sonic. And he was certainly the guy that got the programming to a state where you got that excellent momentum-based gameplay from the original titles. And I'd like to say that I hope this is false, that he didn't do anything wrong, but I would imagine they wouldn't go the way to arrest him if, if that was the case. 
but if we find any more news about it then we'll certainly update you all And with that, we come to the end of this week's episode. If you'd like to find out more information about anything mentioned, then please visit the show notes. I've been the Retro Gaming Dad, and we'll see you next week.